Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. I want to hear cannons. To Brady. Brady looking, Brady looking. He may run. Brady has got a hurdle. He's got a first down inside the 25, and he slides at the 22. He got a, he's fired up. Tom Brady runs for a first down. Here's the snap. Brady hands the ball off, running to the left. His Fournette inside the 25. Stiff arm to the 20. On his feet to the 15, 10. 5, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Leonard Fournette. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow, is that the dagger? I hope so with 20 seconds left. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Joining us today, our very special friends from the Bring the Juice podcast, ready to help us break down the third and final preseason game before the 2022 NFL season between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Indianapolis Colts. Ladies and gentlemen, Derek Larger and Cody Felger, thank you guys for making time with us today. And uh, we collabed with one of you last year for the game preview, and, and this year we've got both. And I'm pretty sure we're making show history today because we're almost 300 episodes into this thing, and I don't think we've ever had more than three people on the podcast at a time. So, uh, so thank you guys for joining us today. Absolutely, love to be here. Yep, good to be back, man. Absolutely. So, I got to tell you, before we really get into the game, I want to preface things. I don't know if you guys have felt like this. But this preseason in particular has has just reminded me how much I despise the NFL preseason. I know that might come off as a little bit harsh, uh, but for a lot of Bucks fans, I'm sure that they feel my pain when you lose Ryan Jensen in the first week of practice. And then on top of that, it seems like the past couple of weeks, the Bucks haven't been able to shake the injury bug. You look at this game in Indy and a part of me wants to get excited because, yeah, Tom Brady's back with the team. We're going to see the first team offense, most of the starters out there for the first time this preseason on Saturday night. But I mean, God, dude, I just want to get through this game and be healthy. And on top of that, the whole 11 day Brady absence, the news cycle each and every day. I mean, every single person on the Internet who covers football, having an opinion about your team. It, it, it's almost draining. Like, I, I hate to say it like that, but man, uh, I am just ready for the preseason to be over. But Evan, where are you sitting right now as far as, you know, getting ready for the game on Saturday night and uh, hoping to roll into week one against Dallas fully healthy? No, uh, yeah, I, I think I definitely agree with the, the whole sentiment that you want to see the starters, um, but, but you want to like, you want to guarantee that like, okay, no more starters are going to go down because especially at certain positions, uh, obviously we'll, we'll get into to the Colts, but for the Bucks' sake, they can't, I mean, Todd Bowles even admitted it. They can't afford another injury on the offensive line. Uh, 
they, they really can't afford it. Um, so obviously Aaron Stinney went down versus Tennessee. He's out for the season. Ryan Jensen, while he's not officially out for the season, sounds like he's going to be out for probably 90% of the season if he can return at all. Um, they really can't afford it anymore. So while you're excited to see Tom Brady and Mike Evans and Julio Jones and, and all these guys, uh, you do want them to stay healthy. That's the number one priority. Uh, it doesn't matter about individual stats or winning the game. Th- that goes for both teams. I, I don't think neither really team cares about winning or losing the game. You just, at this point, especially this close to the regular season, you just want to be as healthy as possible heading into week one. Yeah, right. I mean, I definitely agree uh, with that sentiment. I mean, unfortunately, in the preseason, we see it every year. There is one team that always gets hit with the injury bug before the season starts. Last year, it was the Ravens when they lost both their corners and lost J.K. Dobbins in the first couple weeks of training camp. And unfortunately, that's kind of what's happening right now at Tampa. Certainly hope you guys don't lose any more offensive alignment because we saw what that happened with the Eagles when that happened for them in 2020. I mean, it their season went down the drain because they couldn't protect anybody. You know, certainly hope that... It, God forbid anybody else on that offensive line gets hurt. As long as it's not Tristan Wirfs, then you guys will be okay regardless because Wirfs one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. But yeah, I mean, it is getting that close to time. You know, I'm, I agree with you, uh, Rhett, that it's getting to the point where I just want the regular season to start now. Like I, I enjoy the preseason content. Of course it's warming you up, but like, man, dude, I just, I'm waiting for football to just be back. And with college football knocking on the door as well, I'm like, dude, just bring me some NFL football for goodness sake. I just want to freaking get into this season and see where the Colts are at at this point. Yeah. It's always nice to talk about preseason. Cause again, it does warm you up for the season. It's nice to see the starters take the field. Like when you think about it, this Saturday night is going to be the first time we've seen Tom Brady take the field as a buck since January, you know, almost seven, eight months ago at this point. And after that crazy offseason as well. I, I know, man, with everything <laughs> coming together the way that it did, retiring for 40 days, coming back, getting the team together, rolling out there with a new offensive unit for the most part. I mean, <laughs> this offseason has been a crazy one for you yeah. guys, for oh, sure, <laughs> man. That, that's why that's why I'm saying like I, I'm so excited for football to start mattering for real. Because mm-hmm. I'm just tired. I, I feel tired from this offseason. Like so much has happened. They've dominated the news cycle. And that's more than fine because, I mean, once Tom Brady's out of here, you know, this level of news coverage is never going to come back. Like unless unless we end up with an aging Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow somewhere down the line, I can't imagine the Bucks in a position over the next 10 to 15 years to be dominating Sports Center, ESPN, everything the way that they are right now. But yeah, I'm just I'm ready to get out of the preseason. Everybody has an opinion on your team. Everybody has an opinion on your quarterback, especially when he takes a week and a half off in the middle of training camp. But once these games start counting for real and you can stack up some W's, it seems like opinions change and people seem to ground themselves just a little bit more because I know you guys are familiar with the Twitter sphere. I don't know if indie Twitter gets quite as toxic and bad as Tampa Bay has these past few seasons. But man, after watching Kyle Trask not have the best game in the world against Tennessee, you would have thought the Bucs were winning five, six games this year. It's actually it's actually incredible, uh, depending on who you talk to. But let's go ahead and get into what we're going to be looking out for in this Saturday night's game up there in Lucas Oil Stadium. Beautiful stadium, by the way, man. Yes, I, I mean, absolutely. that game day experience is pretty unreal. I know there's a lot to do in Indy. I got a good look at it. Um, our buddy James went up there for the combine and he sent me a bunch of video 
And it's just a really, really cool place to be that whole hustle and bustle of everything around there. But Mm -hmm. let's talk about coming into the game for the Buccaneers. It's obvious. And a lot of people are going to want to focus on this more than anything, because once they're off of the field, they may turn the game off, but the starters, as far as Indy goes, I don't know if you guys have played many of your starters on either side of the ball, the Bucs starters have not seen very much action. I think partially because, you know, the coaching staff has been a little bit hesitant trying to to hold off those injuries and make sure they give a couple of extra vet days out. But you're going to see Tom Brady. You're going to see Julio Jones. You're going to see a lot of this first-team offense. And uh, rookie guard Luke Gedeke is going to be getting the nod there at the left guard position. Evan, is there anything else that you're really looking at coming into this game? And then uh, after Evan, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts at what you're looking at with Indy. Uh, yeah, so the, well, the big note here with Gedeke is that this is his second straight start with the, the first team. I know in, uh, versus Tennessee wasn't really the first team, but he started the game. Um, uh, the, obviously, the, the two that you're looking at are Gedeke and then Robert Hainsey because this is going to be the first time that you're seeing Robert Hainsey snap the ball uh, to Tom Brady in an actual game situation. So uh, that'll be curious to see. And, and then you, I think you're going to see most of the first-team defense. Uh, you know, we talked about the injuries that Tampa has suffered. A lot of them have been on the offensive side of the ball. And fortunately, the defense has remained, I mean, knock on wood here, but the defense has remained relatively healthy. So they're a pretty healthy group, and a lot of them are going to play on Saturday night. So I'm curious to see how they look as well. There's a lot of new pieces on this defense with Akeem Hicks, uh, Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal. There's a lot of different pieces that they're trying to fit in here, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So, um like you said, I'm cautiously excited uh, to, to see the starters is because one play can, you know, you never know. Injuries can happen at any point and one play can sort of change your mood on whether you want the starters to be out there or not. Yeah. And, yeah, for, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. Derek. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say really quick, uh, one position as far as the starters on offense, I mean, I don't think he's going to be starting, but a guy who is certainly, in a bit of a predicament coming into this game, and I wanted to transition with this. I've always heard the Colts are labeled as, you know, a, a wide receiver needy team this time of year. A lot of options I see are talking about bringing guys to Indy, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on someone like Scotty Miller, who very well may be playing his last game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer this weekend just because of that wide receiver battle. The thought of whether the Bucks are going to carry six or seven into the regular season, but, um, yeah, I mean, for Scotty, he's obviously going to want to go out there and perform, but... You know, are you guys paying attention to a, a Scotty Miller for Tampa Bay just in case you're looking to add a piece like that? Because he is going to be cheap. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely that's one that I'm looking at, like him. And I know Derek doesn't really like Denzel Mims a whole lot, but, you know, a couple guys like that that are kind of on the fringe of the roster, but I think are, are supremely talented, you know, if given the right opportunity. And, you know, I think the Colts got a little bit of more answers in the last preseason game for kind of that number five and number six wide receiver, depending on how many they do carry. Um, but I do feel like they, they would, you know, be in the market for looking for another wide receiver because, you know, it still is a competition at this point. And I think definitely adding a guy like Scotty Miller would not be a bad option at all. Um, I really do. I really do think just because of how stacked, honestly, the Bucks a wide receiver core is, I think, you know, the Colts could find a really good guy there. I personally still do think that wide receiver is in contention for the Colts to try to find somebody off the waiver wire. And it's funny too, because, um, I, I'm at, I actually was friends with Scotty Miller in school of, uh, he was from BG. So I I'm from B I went to BG as well. Uh, I knew Scotty Miller talked with him a lot when he was 
coming up into the scene at college. I mean, he was, he was a stud talked with him a couple of times, I had a couple of classes with him. So uh, we were definitely uh, talking for quite a while, but yeah, I mean, it's been awesome to see Scotty Miller do what he did for you guys for a long time. And, you know, I'd love to have Scotty Miller because of his, I mean, what he is, he's just a speed demon right off the edge. But at the, at the same time, I think the Colts, what they're kind of looking for right now is more of a slot receiver. And unfortunately, I don't know if that's in Scotty Miller's repertoire, you know, I mean, I don't know if Scotty Miller's more of a, he's more of that running gun on the outside. Cause that's what his speed is able to do for you. I just don't know if we need another one of those. Cause the Colts already have three of them. So I don't know if we really need another one of those. Uh, but again, you know, you never know when it comes to this business. So We'll see. I mean, it all depends on what Chris Ballard's thinking. And every time you try to figure out what Chris Ballard's doing, you just never know. So, I mean, he has a different set of uh, rules in that building than everyone else understands. So if he decides to go with it on that, then what's one more speed demon on the roster? Well, yeah. the, the the good news is that, uh, you know, if you listen to any national r- reporter, uh, I guess any white receiver that plays with Tom Brady is just automatically Julian Edelman. So technically, Scotty Miller, <laughs> even could though Scotty Miller was clearly faster yeah. than Julian Edelman, he was a completely yeah, I mean, different receiver. And he doesn't he doesn't play he doesn't play the slot at all. But hey, you know, uh, people are labeling him as as a Julian Edelman type. So um, it's, it's just like when they tried to label Alec Pierce as uh, Jordy Nelson. It's like why do we always have to label white receivers after another well, white receiver? I, my my big like, thing. Go off of different comparisons here. My like, big thing for pre-draft, every white tight end is just baby Gronk. Like every, every single one. Just, every just single freaking one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So that, that's interesting insight there uh, and what the, the Colts could be looking for. Uh, Scotty Miller, you know, he's made some memorable plays uh, for the Bucks, but he's also gotten lost in the shuffle, just like you guys said, with how it's kind of the nature of the beast, how deep the Buccaneers wide receiver room is. And when, when they add a guy like Julio Jones and they add Russell Gage, uh, you know, you're looking at it you're saying, well, like they're going to have to get rid of one or two really talented players. And unfortunately it's looking more and more likely that Scotty Miller could be that guy. Yeah. Now, as far as, you know, guys that surprise you coming into this game, the one that I'm looking at on the defensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay is a linebacker by the name of uh, Olakunte Fadakazi. I, I think I'm, I said I'm that not correctly. Even, during the seat, if he makes a team, which I think he will, I'm not even going to say it. His nickname is 03, so that's what I'm calling him. Yeah, well, 03, 03 has seemingly <laughs> come out of nowhere, man. Over the first two weeks of the preseason, he is leading the team in tackles. Both of those games led the defense in tackles. And yeah, you know, when you're on the edge like he is, you're going to see the most playing time, but he is certainly making the most of it. Now, my question for you guys, and Cody, you can go first. Are there any guys on the Colts roster so far this preseason that have really kind of jumped out to you and and you frankly didn't see them coming? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys that kind of come to mind. Um, I think, you know, if we stay with the linebackers, we have a couple of those undrafted linebackers that I think have really stood out. Jojo Doman and then Sterling Weatherford both have been guys that are fighting for that, you know, kind of back into the roster there. But I feel like they've both performed extremely well. Um, I would say as well, just a guy that uh, has really surprised us, not because, you know, he he wasn't like people don't know who he is, but I think just because uh, we just didn't know what we were going to get because he is a rookie. That's Nick. 
Nick Cross. I think Nick Cross, um, he's right now, he's penciled in as your starter at strong safety. And that is, you know, competing with a guy like Rodney McLeod, who is, I think, a really good safety in this league. Uh, Nick Cross has kind of come out of nowhere. And I think he's shown just his ability already. I mean, he started in camp. It was like the first day at camp he had an interception, you know. So it seems like every single opportunity that Nick Cross has been given, he is just like, honestly just excelled at that, you know, and we didn't know because he was a third round pick. Like, you know, sometimes those guys can take a little bit of time to develop, but Nick Cross credit him and we'll see. I think this will be a good test for him on, on Saturday, but so far so good for Nick Cross. Yeah. I mean, Nick Cross was certainly one that was crazy. I mean, we saw, we looked at his like draft profile and it's amazing that he even fell to the third round to begin with. I mean, he is, I think it's cause he's only 20 years old, but he um he's runs a four three. He has a thirty eight inch vertical. You know his uh, agility numbers were some of the were the best of all the safeties in the draft. But yet it, athletically, this guy is amazing, and it's like a, a wonder how he even fell that far. So it is crazy to see him there, and you know a couple guys in the secondary as well. You talked about um we've talked about some guys like Dallas Flowers, who's another undrafted free agent, might round out the back end of this roster as well. And one guy on the offensive line that the Cody and I are going to be looking at is a guy by the name of Will Fries. Uh, he was a rookie last year, second year player this year. And since our center Ryan Kelly is out in this game because of COVID uh, Danny Pinter is going to be taking his spot at center. So Will Fries is going to be moving to the guard position. And I think Cody and I were talking about it last night of you know, Danny Pinter has not been doing very well as a starter at the guard position uh, throughout camp. He's had some setbacks compared to 2021. We thought he did really, really well. But in camp this year, he seems to struggle a little bit. And we've seen Will Fries actually improve a ton. And he was a seventh round draft pick from 2021. And now he might he has a he's going to be the first guy off the bench for anyone this year. So, I mean, Will Fries, I'm excited to see what he does against, you know, your guys' defensive line, who obviously has uh, Vita Vea, Akeem Hicks, you know, guys who are big, powerful uh, men in there. So it will be interesting to see how this Colts offensive line, particularly Will Fries, will handle against your guys' defensive line. Will Fries is the other half of French. Yeah, yeah Wesley, yeah. Wesley French and Will Fries. Yep, that, that picture that was, making uh, the rounds. That man. was the meme. Yep, everybody <laughs> watches it. Well, I'll tell you this: it'll be interesting too, because from what we understand, if he's rolling out there with the starters, you're gonna get a good look at him. Because I think there was a headline I saw that said Indy is planning to play most of their starters for most of the first half of the game. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got your bigger names like Jonathan Taylor is gonna sit. Naheem Himes, I think they said wasn't gonna play either. Yeah. Um, but as far as Tampa Bay goes, you know, I know we touched on the starters at the beginning of the show, but Evan, I'm going to be honest with you, at least on the offensive side of the ball with Tom Brady, maybe you see Kyle Trask throw to some starters. Like maybe this is that week, but I think as far as, you know, the, the starters on the offensive side of the ball go for Tampa Bay, I want to believe that like a quarter max, and then you get them out of there. I don't know. What are you, what are you thinking? Cause Bowles hasn't given us much indication other than, whoever's healthy is going to play, but how long they're going to play. I don't know. Yeah. He hasn't given uh, any indication how long they're going to play. Uh, I, I would guess, I think a quarter is fair. I still think they want to get a good look at Kyle Trask. And um, I don't think they're, they're completely done looking at Kyle Trask. He's this gotten, is, this is the you know, last week. You're going to be able to do something. it for a while. <laughs> 
Let me yeah, tell you I mean, something. we had the Colts. Uh, the Colts starters are going to be in for at least the first half. Okay. So, I mean, you know, does Todd Bowles kind of do a mutual, like, you know, the Colts starters are going to stay in, mono we mono here. Let's kind of go one half to see just where we match up. I mean, is that a possibility? Yeah, it, it might be. Uh, but they might want to see how Trask looks against the starting defense if all the starting pieces with Trask, you know, um, a, a lot of your, your Trask defenders out there, uh, well, a lot of your Trask haters will say he's just not good, but a lot of your Trask defenders will say, well, look at the talent that he's playing with most of the time. Uh, a, a quick note, how would you like to be Ryan Griffin? Uh, the Bucks' fourth-string quarterback has not played a single minute, a single second. He's normally Mr. August. Games. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that shines. Yeah, that's his nickname. The past but, eight seasons in Tampa Bay, he has been Mr. August. He has not played a single snap, and he's getting paid like a million dollars. It's just he's getting paid to practice. Like, it, it's beautiful um but anyways uh, they, they yeah i think they're going to keep giving kyle trask every opportunity and um you know like i said your trash defenders will say look at the talent he's playing with he's not playing with a mike evans he's not playing with a julio jones um you know he's not uh, the first team offensive line isn't protecting him that was a big deal last week the the offensive line struggled last week though well, the backups i'll tell you this too just kind of add on to what you're saying as far as the offensive line goes if they plan to roll Kyle Trask out there without the starting offensive line in the second quarter. It's going to be a lot of what we saw against Tennessee last week. Yeah, but the the same offensive line was there versus Miami. Like, it's just, it's just they I mean, just didn't play well. That, that Colts starting uh, defense in the first is, quarter is the, against the forest, Buffalo is, had is a, forced is three turnovers in the first quarter. <laughs> is, so, is, is I mean, Buckner you know, this Colts defense, this first team defense is really legit. <laughs> So, yeah, if you guys only play him for a quarter and Kyle Trask is out there with the backups for that, yeah, he's going to get absolutely destroyed by uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Quiddy Pay off the edge. Or DeForest yeah. Buckner might just flatten him at that point. Yeah, I was. that's what I was at. Yeah, if Buckner was playing, that might not be too fun for him. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I, I, I think you'll see a little bit of a start. I don't know if the Buck starters will play the whole first half. Uh, I do think they'll play at least a quarter. But I, I do think, yeah, they still want to get a good look at, at Kyle Trask. So, um, I think you could see Kyle Trask maybe towards the end of the first half. Maybe that's Blaine Gabbert, and they see Kyle Trask the rest of the way. Um, but uh, I do expect to see a lot of Kyle Trask. And uh, I, I still think Indy, you know, even with their depth, like Indy's a good football team. So th- th- they got good depth, and uh, that could be a, a good challenge for Trask, even if you're playing the third quarter. Like, I think this is a team that has depth. So, like, you're playing in the third quarter, but a lot of those guys are quality NFL players. So, I think you could get a pretty good look at Trask there. And he's had, you know, a lot of positives from week one. And we didn't talk really about week two, but week two wasn't that great. And was it some of the offensive line? Yes. But it was also on him a little bit as well, holding the ball too long, uh, not making the quick decisions that he needs to. And uh, hopefully he shows progress in that area on Saturday night. Talking about the quarterback position, I wanted to ask you guys, are you excited about Matt Ryan? I, I'm not I'm not too sure what you've seen from him this season, uh, but this is the first time he's going to be playing Tom Brady since they squared off in Tampa. What was it, week 18 uh, it, last it was, year? It was, it, was in, it was in Atlanta. It was like week mid-season. 17. No, it wasn't that late. Oh, I'm thinking they played Atlanta <laughs> late. I mean, literally, I think the past three out of four years, the Bucks have played the Falcons yeah, at home. They, they normally the, do. This the year was last the Pan- game last of the year. year. Last year it was the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, but what do you guys think about Matt Ryan? I mean, he's definitely a guy who can sling it. 
during his time in Atlanta, he was always putting up good yardage against Tampa Bay. Didn't always win the game, but he was certainly not uh, not the problem on offense as far as it goes in Atlanta. I'm excited to see what he can do up there in Indy. I know we won't see a whole lot of them. I mean, at most one half this Saturday night. But what are your guys' thoughts? You think he can kind of be that guy to to get you over the hump? Yeah, I mean, I think about like Carson Wentz last year and, you know, I think in that Tampa Bay game, he played decently well from what I can remember. He kind of had, he had a few issues, but, you know, you just look at just the upgrade. I I, I, can, I think we can say it's a pretty significant upgrade over Carson Wentz this year just because of what he does, you know, on and off the field, right? I mean, my goodness, Matt Ryan, you know, even before training camp was starting, he was like quizzing guys in the hallway. He was doing these things, you know, being that pro that we all know Matt Ryan is. And, you know, I think that's just what the Colts locker room needed they needed that mature guy in there that was going to command the locker room command the huddle and do those things and yeah you guys are right like you know Matt Ryan never was the problem in Atlanta the last couple years it was just the talent around him or lack thereof Um, so I am very excited for to add a Matt Ryan into this team and you know has now a really good running game to compliment him he has a number one wide receiver in Michael Pittman um, and a couple young guys that you're excited about like Alec Pierce and, and all those guys um And he also has a defense, you know, maybe for the first time in a long time. So all that to say, I do think Matt Ryan is, you know, I think that, that, that marriage the Colts have with Matt Ryan for the, at least the next two years, I think it's a good one. And, and honestly, you know, thinking about uh, the future of this team at quarterback, it's kind of maybe in a similar sense to where you guys are with Tom Brady and Kyle Trask is like, you know, hopefully then the next year or two, the Colts are going to look to find their future at quarterback and to have a guy in there that's, you know, borderline hall of fame. um, I think it's going to go a long way for whoever comes in next, but as it stands for the immediate future, I definitely think, it's a major upgrade for what the Colts want to do. And it it honestly brings guys some stability to that quarterback position that honestly the Colts haven't had since Andrew Luck retired. And uh, that goes a long way, I think for the locker room as well to, to feel that. Yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan is, I could argue this is probably the best roster that Matt Ryan has ever had uh, from a player talent standpoint. Uh, Even when he went to the Super Bowl in 2017, or it was uh, 2018, can't remember which year that was. But nevertheless, I mean, even that team that he had, even with Julio Jones as potentially the best wide receiver in the game, didn't even have a roster as good as he has now uh, when it comes to overall players and everything. You can argue Shanahan better coach than Reich at this moment, but he's walking in, like Cody said, this is the best defense that he's ever had on the opposite side of him. He's got an offensive line now that for many years he never had uh, reliance upon. He's got the best running back in the NFL. So, you know, there's a lot of great things for him to feel like he doesn't have to be something more than what he is. And I think he enjoys that, but I think going off of the leadership standpoint, you know, Naheem Hines raves about what Matt Ryan has been like for this team already. He says, literally he gets chills every time listening to Matt Ryan in the huddle. Like it seems so surreal. It's like a, he's like, almost like you're talking to a legend. It's kind of one of those situations where you just, you shut up and you listen, you look and you listen, you pay attention to what he's saying. He has that kind of charisma that brings you in as a unit, which, you know, like Cody said, we haven't had that since Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was uh, significant, but obviously Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz all didn't have that kind of uh, charisma to bring it together quite like that. And obviously it's still too premature. We don't know how he's going to look. Obviously this wide receiver corp is kind of, you know, 
it's really young right now, so he's going to have to mold them into shape. But I do feel confident that he has the ability to get us into the playoffs, and I have extreme confidence that this team's not going to falter in the big moments like it did last year under the helm of Matt Ryan. Right, and I I don't know how old he is off the top of my head, but... 37. 37, okay. So as far as the Bucs quarterback situation goes, it seems like the entire league and then some is fully aware that it is year to year for us right now. Like I well, I mean the 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 Colts basically got a, a a young a young player compared to the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean 37 <laughs> is still pretty spry and it's going to tie into the question I'm about to ask. But like I said, as far as Tom Brady, it is very much year to year. You know, we thought he retired for 40 days, he comes back and everybody wants to assume this is his last year. I think most of us think that this is more than likely his last year, but like you never I think there's just as much of a chance that at 46 years old, he's like, yeah, let's go do this thing again, especially if they don't get the Super Bowl this season. But with Matt Ryan, do you see a situation where, you know, he does end up being your guy's quarterback for the next two, three, four years? Maybe he plays well enough this year to to lock up or two or three year contract, because I know you would mention that sooner or later, you're going to want to look to the future. And I know this is a quarterback, uh, quarterback rich draft coming up. But if Matt Ryan balls out and you guys make a deep playoff run and at 38 years old, he feels good enough to keep going. Do you still feel confident? Like, do you see a scenario where where Matt Ryan can finish up his career in Indy, but do it by playing maybe another four or five years at this point? I know it seems like a stretch, but his arm doesn't look like it's slowing down just yet. And that starts to become the major topic once any quarterback gets over 35 years old, it seems like. Yeah, four to five years seems a little too much. You know, you never try to think that that's going to happen because, you know, Brady's one of the only guys that's ever actually been able to pull that off. But, you know, Matt Ryan, he's been an Iron Man throughout his career. I think he's missed three or four games in his entire 14-year career. And he so, like he got his ass kicked in Atlanta behind yeah. that offensive line. Like, yeah. week, week in and week out, multi-sack games, especially those last few years he was there, they were dreadful. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that he never missed games, you know, just goes to show you how well he takes care of his body. And you're right. Like the arm hasn't really disappeared that much. You know, I mean, some people try to nitpick, but, you know, he can still throw a 50 yarder down the field easy. No problem whatsoever. So, you know, he says he feels great and that he still loves this game and wants to continue to play. And, you know, Ballard and Reich and even the Colts owner, Jim Ursay said, you know, two, three years definitely is not out of the question. We definitely believe that Matt Ryan can be this team's quarterback for at least a couple years. And that's great because even if the Colts decide to bet their future on say like, yeah, with this uh, quarterback heavy class that we're about to have, say the Colts say we're going to give up a ton of draft capital to go to get the quarterback that we know will be the future in like a year or two from now then great. You can sit him behind Matt Ryan, who you still feel confident is going to mold him into where you think you're going to be. Most of your players will still be in their prime. You feel confident where the roster is. And then you feel like you can try to replicate kind of what the Kansas city chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. You hope that that's the case. Obviously don't think another quarterback is going to quite be like Patrick Mahomes right away, but Yeah, I do believe the Colts think that Matt Ryan can stick around for at least two years, possibly three, and it gives you some leeway 
to figuring out what kind of position you have with this quarterback. It gives them some time, some breathing room to know that if something doesn't go their way, they feel confident that it's not going to ruin their season if they don't get one. Yeah. And and the Colts are not going to force it. I'll just say that right now. Like they are a team, you know, like a lot of teams, it seems like you see around draft time and stuff like they, it seems like they force picks, they panic, they make kind of a panic pick. And that's something the Colts system will never do. Like under Chris Ballard, they will never force a pick. And so I think, yeah, you're right there. He gives you a little bit of leverage that, you know, okay, at least for this season and next season, Matt Ryan is under contract with this team. So, you know, we can get a quarterback this next year in the draft um, and we can have him sit behind Matt Ryan. Ryan for one, maybe two plus years, and we feel good about it. But hey, if it's not in the right position, we feel like, you know, we still have a couple more years of good football on Matt Ryan. Maybe they do go and kind of take a swing at the fences a little bit and they go at other players outside of quarterback. Like I could see a scenario where that does happen. Um, but I think for me, I'm more inclined. I'm more the, you know, I would rather if if you fall in love with a guy this year, you have the capital to go get it because the Colts did with the Carson Wentz trade. They actually got a third conditional third that could turn into a second if Carson Wentz plays a certain amount of snaps. So you go into this offseason with, you know, three picks inside of the first two rounds. And it's like, okay, that could be help helpful in, t- in terms of trying to find some ammunition to move up and, and get your guy. But you, know, and you have Colts, your future obviously. first rounders as well, Cody. I mean, exactly. You're willing to give those up as yep. well, if that's what it takes. Yeah. You got whatever you need. I feel like the Colts are in a good position now, but they don't have to rush and, and force that pick, but also, you know, like, uh, it's like they don't have to force it, but they can, you know, if they have to, the roster's good enough if you don't have, you know, some higher picks. And especially with, you know, some of the success that Chris Ballard has found in those mid to late rounds, you're like, you'll probably get a few guys that contribute as well, as well as, you know, free agency as well. So yeah, all that to say, um, feeling good about where we're at with Matt Ryan. And, you know, at the, at the very, at the very least, you at least get two good years out of him and maybe potentially a mentor to your future at quarterback. And I feel like the Colts are one of those teams, like obviously with the whole Andrew Luck thing and everything, you know, ever since then, they haven't had that franchise guy. Like they haven't had like that guy um, that you know is going to be there for, oh, this guy's the, the guy for 10 years. You know, it's it was Luck, then Brissett, then Rivers, then you know <laughs> Wentz, then Ryan. So, um, you know, I, I think whenever you, know, you talk about, you know, going out and getting that guy. And I, that's the reason why I think we're, we're talking about this is like, I think the bucks, even though they have Kyle Trask, like, I know this is a real sidebar and we'll get back to the actual game here in a second, but um, I wouldn't shock me if, if they were to explore something like that, because if they don't believe in Kyle Trask, like if you don't think Kyle Trask can win is just like the Colts, the Buccaneers still have a roster and they're still going to have that roster next year that is ready to win. Uh, it's not a roster that's set for a rebuild yet. So if you don't believe in Kyle Trask, then why are you going to waste time? Why waste the season of Mike Evans prime, Chris Godwin's prime, uh, Tristan Wirfs prime? Why waste the, those guys seasons if you don't believe in the quarterback? So I think the Bucs could pull off something similar uh, in the draft to sort of mortgage the future. The Bucs haven't done that like in their history. Like they haven't made like that bold of a move um, to move up in the draft like that, because it's going to take, you know, I think the Bucs and Colts are, both going to be picking in the mid to late 20s so um i, I it's going to take a lot to, to move up but uh i i think both those teams when talking about the quarterbacks um i think both those teams are in a pretty similar boat i i hate to bring up some 
some negative memories here, but can you believe it's only been three years since the Andrew Luck thing? Like, like <laughs> it feels so much longer. Dude, it feels that. like it was like six or seven years ago at this point. Yeah. I, I saw a post the other day that said three years ago today, Andrew Luck announces his retirement. And I was like, there is no goddamn way that that was only three <laughs> seasons ago. It, it certainly feels like you guys have had a quarter of all the quarterbacks in the league come and pass through there these past couple of seasons with Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, now Matt Ryan as well. I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like three years. <laughs> no. And I'll give the Colts credit. We've been competitive in that time somehow yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, with the franchise quarterback. So, yeah. I mean, we took a swing at Carson Wentz. Didn't work out. Um, so, you know, I'm glad. And honestly, I feel like somehow we got out of that relatively unscathed, you know, I, all, all things considered, which is I, crazy. I think at the time, you know, people had taken uh, the initial press conference talking about how you're moving on. People had kind of taken that at face value and said, oh, that's that's a little stiff towards a guy like Carson Wentz. But to be honest with you, it seems like it was the right attitude to have at the time because y- you made it clear that not only do the Colts have a damn good roster on both sides of the ball, like y- you don't want to waste those guys' seasons, just like we were talking about with a lot of the pieces on the Bucks roster with the inevitable uh, retirement of Tom Brady coming up soon. But, I mean, Carson Wentz was a one-year experiment you wanted to try it out and see if it worked, found out it did not work. And uh, yeah, they didn't make the mistake of trying to hang on to that one season too long. So if I have to give Indy credit on one thing, it's just how they handled that entire situation. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe there were some hurt feelings about it, but at the end of the day, it's about winning football games and uh, getting away from Carson Wentz when you did, I, I think was the right move that they needed to to continue to try and win some more football games here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how much of an improvement it was. I mean, we get the backlash from everyone, right? Like we try to be as split on this as possible. Like we're not trying to blame it all on Carson Wentz because the entire team fumbled, the, the coaching staff fumbled, the management staff fumbled, the whole organization as a whole fumbled the end of last season. It was not all on Carson Wentz, but and it's no doubt. I mean, everyone saw the same thing. Those last five games, the man was throwing for 150 passing yards a game. He was throwing just as many interceptions as he was touchdowns. And his QBR was a 4.7 against Jags. You cannot end your season like that. You cannot. And it was a, it was a playing game too, right? Like What's yeah. up? It was a playing game too, right? You win and you're in. Yeah. 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 Man, yeah, Listen, so I'm, I, that was it. The last two weeks, it wasn't even just the Jags. It was we had the Raiders and the and the Jags. We win one of those two games. We're in the Raiders don't make it. And the Raiders are just like, thanks, Colts, so very much. I, like that was it. Because then we lose the Jags game. Whoever won the Chargers versus the Raiders gets in because of that. I got to so, tell you, I mean, it, it's it's been a it's been a minute. Don't get me wrong. 2019, when we finished the year seven and nine off of the pick six, that was rough. It was bad. You knew we weren't going to be missing the playoffs anyways after or going to the playoffs anyways after we had lost to Houston. But I feel your pain. I mean, just a, a late season collapse with a talented roster. I think about 2016, the Bucks were eight and five. And then they finished the year, uh, what, nine and seven, I think, Evan, and then missed the playoffs. That was that was the one like glory year under Cutter. Jameis had played a pretty good game. Keith Tandy had called game two weeks in a row. And then you think back, was it 08 when they started nine and three? 
and still miss the playoffs. Yeah, that was that was Gruden's last year. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, those late season collapses, they'll haunt you for a very long time. But I think the Colts have still got a pretty damn good roster. And uh, you guys are set to win some more games this year. They're going to be a fun team to watch for sure. As we wrap up the conversation on the quarterback position, I wanted to get back to Kyle Trask really quickly, Evan, and kind of get your thoughts about what your expectations are for him on Saturday night's game. As I alluded to before, going to be the last time we get to see him suit up for this long, for a while, at least until next preseason, it seems, unless the worst possible case scenario happens. Um, so what are your your biggest takeaways from Trask so far, and what do you want to see the most from him on Saturday night? Is he uh, probably going to get a majority of the playing time at the QB position? Yeah, um, obviously, after the Miami game, you know, I praised him. I thought he looked good, thought he made a lot of throws with anticipation and, and looked comfortable. Uh, and Tennessee was kind of the opposite. It looked like all night he wasn't really comfortable. A lot of that was because of the offensive line. But some of it was because, like I mentioned earlier, it's just he's holding on to the ball too long. Uh, his processing isn't quick enough right now for the NFL game. Uh, he had, I think, two fumbles. One was lost. or maybe, I think he actually got both of them back. Um, but he had two fumbles. <clears throat> got to have more pocket awareness, I think. And um, you got to be able to move inside the pocket. I think that's a big deal. Uh, you see Brady, you know, he's able to climb the pocket. Obviously, we know, you know, he's not fast, but he's able to climb the pocket and avoid the pressure. Um, that that makes a, a great quarterback there when you're able to move inside the pocket, not just scramble out. Uh, and I think Trash needs to do a better job of that. Um, like I said, some of the receivers didn't do him any help. Uh, he had a nice deep ball to Scotty Miller, which was dropped. Uh, probably should have, it was a tough catch, but one you probably should have come down with. Uh, and I, I just think overall for Saturday night, you just want to see more comfortableness. You, you want to see him uh, just play better. I mean, you know, you have to, you have to just play better. You don't want to end the, the preseason on a sour note like that, because like you said, you know, most likely unless some bad things happen or like week 18, the Bucks have it all wrapped up and they just start Kyle Trask as a stardom. Um, you know, this is likely the last time you're going to see Kyle Trask in a game uh, until next preseason in which the next preseason, he might be battling for the starting quarterback job. So you really want to get a, a good look at him and a positive look, I think, because um, you know, if, if it's, if it's bad, that could leave a sour taste in your mouth, and that may impact the future of what they determine to do uh, with the quarterback position next this offseason. Because you know, I think um, it's most likely Tom Brady's final year. Obviously, never say never, but uh, I think that they could be looking for a different quarterback. And this is a huge game for Trask here. Uh, so we'll see what happens. He doesn't have to be perfect. You just you got to show progression, and that that's the biggest thing right now. And he he hasn't yet. It's been some good, but it's been some bad. It's, it's been a lot of inconsistencies and you're hoping that he can find that consistency somewhere in this game. Cody and Derek, what are you guys looking for the most from Indianapolis in this Saturday night's game? Whether it's a certain position group, a certain player in particular, uh, what do you want to take away from this one when it's all said and done? Cody, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, some guys that we're watching at, and actually, funny enough, we just did a, uploaded a podcast earlier uh, today, this afternoon, um, but a couple players that I think we're watching, I don't want to talk about all of them, but I think Alec Pierce, um, the rookie wide receiver 
um, out of Cincinnati. He's had some nice moments. Seems like he's starting to come into his own a little bit. Um, you know, he had a really awesome catch. He only, you know, the only, starters only played a little bit in the last game, but, you know, he had a really cool catch where, you know, he he made a cool play to get a first down and seems like he's just continuing to grow and progress. And um, so he's a guy that I'm definitely watching. Um, definitely going to be watching, like we talked about earlier, some of those interior offensive linemen, uh, Will Fries, Danny Pinter, kind of what they're going to do. Um, and I think the last thing for me um, is going to be just the defensive line um, in particular, you know, some of those backup key backup guys, because we already know um, DeForest Buckner. We already know Yanni Kangakwe, what we're getting with those guys. But with Quiddy Pay being out of this game, most likely because of the injury, um, I'm really looking forward to guys like Dio Dangbo, who had two sacks against Detroit. Like, what does he look like? Um, what are some of these other young pass rushers like Ben Banigou, uh, Efedio Dangbo, some of those guys? How do they, you know, kind of do they provide the pressure that they've been able to do the last couple of weeks? Because Tampa Bay does have some nice pieces on that offensive line. Um, I just want to see kind of what that looks like for them and even some of those interior backup off uh, defensive linemen as well who really did struggle that we could go against Detroit especially against the run you know can they have some nice bounce back games as well yeah me what I'm looking at is basically all offensive right now I really want to see the Colts starters without Jonathan Taylor try to find some kind of consistency we saw that in against Tampa Bay the last time we played you guys I mean, for the first half, I mean, the passing offense for us was actually working very well. And we very, we didn't run the ball for quite a while there. And, you know, the offense was moving very well just after a few turnovers and such, just kind of turned things uh, the different direction. But this offseason, we really haven't gotten to see a lot of Indianapolis's offense. We've been talking about their defense every week. We talked about the first week defense and all aspects looked really good, except for like a few plays last week. We talked about the defense, just not being able to stop the run and the backups and stuff. I'm not too worried about the defense right now. I'm looking more towards can Matt Ryan find some kind of consistency because if you're going to try to find some kind of consistency, you're going to try to find some kind of good ground what better to do it against than this Tampa Bay defense that's definitely going to give you some problems while you're out there? And how does Matt Ryan handle it? How do the Colts offensive starters handle going up against a solid defense like this? Because we've seen the backups, Sam Ellinger in the second and third string guys has just been lighting it up. But I want to see more from the starters and I want to see can they sustain blocks can our young wide receivers get open can we actually run the ball against the number one rushing defense over the last several years so you know it'll be interesting to see how the Colts starting offense handles things you mentioned I have have, have one one more Colts question I I have one more and it doesn't have to do with this game at all it's a fantasy football question okay so uh obviously uh Carson Wentz was the quarterback last year. This player did well with Carson Wentz, but I think he could do better. So are, are we drafting Michael Pittman Jr. this year? Or are we, we, we're, are yep. we we're, we're drafting him? Okay. There has oh, never yeah. been a season where Matt Ryan's had a number one receiver who has had less than 120 targets. Michael Pittman is clear number one. I'm not going to lie to you. He might get 150 plus targets this year. Easy. Like it, it might be 160, 170 for how he's done. Like him and Matt Ryan have developed a relationship. Pittman has caught three times the amount of balls 
in training camp than any other receiver on this roster from Matt Ryan. He is clearly the head and above everybody else. It, it is no question he's going to have at least 85-plus catches this year for at least 1,200-plus yards and is probably going to have a good solid seven, eight touchdowns coming his way. So I, I do believe that if you're going into a deep draft, you know, some mid-round stuff, maybe even early uh, rounds, like, you know, maybe like fourth or fifth round would not be a stretch to get Michael Pittman, honestly. Mm-hmm. Hey, and I'll, by I'll the way, I know we haven't made an official announcement yet, but the Cannon Fire Fantasy League is going to be up and cooking here soon. I feel like I'm in a thousand fantasy leagues this year. Like we, we haven't even, started, <laughs> I did a lot. we <laughs> haven't even started the one for the podcast yet. And I've already committed to like three or four. And unfortunately one of them is probably going to, you know, kind of be that league that you forget about every year. Uh, but yeah. be on the lookout for that. If you guys are listening, we'll post all the uh, information on social media here soon. And uh, we'll be accepting some members for that. But one of the things you had mentioned, and I wanted to kind of wrap up with this before I get your thoughts, Evan, and what you're going to be looking at in this game um, Derek, you had mentioned consistency, and I think that's the keyword for the Bucks this week at pretty much every position. Like with the starters, you know what you're going to get, but when you look at the second string guys, and for me in particular, when I look at that second team offensive line, that's the position where I want to see the most consistency because you look at what they were able to do for Kyle Trask in Tennessee, and it really wasn't jack squat. And I mean, they didn't have the strongest game against Miami either. Trask had to do some improvisation. You know, they were a little bit better against their second and third string defensive linemen for Miami, but they just really haven't been good. And and for Tampa Bay, who is a team who, as we mentioned at the start of the show, cannot afford to lose another offensive lineman. You know, the only depth pieces right now that you're going to feel comfortable with are Lou or uh, not even Luke Gedeke because he's probably going to be starting Nick Leverett, who, yeah, you know, can play at both center and guard if needed. But with Aaron Stinney going down for the rest of the season, you just brought him back on a one-year deal. That was part of that depth that padded things out, and it is no longer there. So when you think outside of Nick Leverett, you know, you've got Josh Wells as an extra swing tackle when they need it, but there isn't a lot of strong depth at the offensive line position for Tampa Bay. And uh, if Indianapolis is going to have their starters in for the first half, I'm very interested to see what happens about halfway through the second quarter when I think Tom Brady is no longer on the field and, uh, you know, who they have out there on the offensive line. But I, I want to see some consistency from that group more than anything else. We, we know about the wide receivers fighting for receiver, uh, fighting for roster spots. But outside of that, that offensive line has to do some good this week. Evan, what are you looking at headed into this game? Yeah, well, a quick note about the offensive line is even when they're going up against uh, the starting indie defense, uh, they're still going to be without Tristan Wirfs most likely. Uh, I don't. There's not much concern about Week One. Uh, I just think the Bucks are holding him out. Uh, he is a, an upper body injury, so uh, the Bucks are, are holding him out. I oblique. Think for now, so. it has been described. Yeah, as? I, I believe. Yeah, I believe it's an oblique. So. Uh, Todd Bowles says there's not much concern about week one. It's just, I, I doubt they're going to risk it here, uh, in the preseason. So you're likely to see Josh Wells start at, at right tackle. And, um, that'll be an interesting test, uh, because, you know, while you're going to have three, technically four, you know, on, on Saturday night, 
the Bucks could have four new starters in there that they did not have last year. That being, uh, obviously, Josh Wells at right tackle, Shaq Mason at right guard, uh, Robert Hainsey at center, and Luke Gedeke at left guard. So uh, that'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out. But uh, like I said, I want to keep an eye on this defense and more specifically the secondary uh, because there's a there's a quiet battle going on for an important position. The the cornerback too uh, between Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting, and uh, I like. Dean better as a player. I think Dean's better, you know, just naturally. I think he's got the better physical tools. I think he's put better stuff on tape. But again, the issue with Dean and really Murphy Bunting uh, can be the theme of this episode is consistency. Uh, a lot of times Dean will uh, look like a, a, a top you know, 20 corner for two, three weeks at a time. But then there's also two, three weeks where he's just getting burned uh, a lot. So uh, if he can put that together, he can win that cornerback two job opposite of Carlton Davis. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think if you had to point out one weakness, that's kind of a concern right now is that the Bucks don't have a, a solidified number two corner. Like why is, why is it basically taking to the last preseason game to figure out a pretty important position? Uh, a cornerback two in a passing league is with some of the offenses that you're playing this year uh, is pretty important. So that's, a little bit worrisome that they haven't really decided neither guy has taken the reins on that job yet and it's also important to mention too that for smb i mean this is a, a new position for him he, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience playing outside i know he got moved around a whole bunch last year but he only played the second half of the season after you know going yeah. down uh, with injury week one against dallas so if he can stay healthy stay consistent that's all good and dandy but yeah, I mean, not only is he fighting for that cornerback two spot, but he's doing it with a, a new position. So that is going to be something to keep an eye on. I, I think athletically he has the ability. I mean, we've talked about this before. He isn't quite as athletic as a Jamel Dean, but hopefully this change of scenery is good for him because uh, he was not great playing in the nickel last year. He, he really was not. He did struggle towards the end of the year, and I know that there were a lot of moving parts there. You didn't get your your starting secondary all the way up until the wild card game against the Eagles. So all of that context is important to note, but uh, definitely going to be a lot of eyes on him as he tries to shore up that second cornerback spot. I do think Jamel Dean wins the job, though, if I had to guess. I think so. I think so, too. Yeah. He's just got the experience, a little bit of the edge there, but uh, it should be fun. Hey, I know it's preseason, but for shits and giggles, uh, let's get a final score prediction. Derek, I'll go to you first. And then Cody and then Evan, and I'll uh, wrap this thing up. All right. Uh, let's just say final score, 27-24. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say Buccaneers just for the heck of it because I, the Colts don't care about finishing these games off the way they do. I mean, we've lost the first two. Should have won against the Lions, but we went for the two point conversion, which so would who, put us up. But we lost it. Who's so, gonna be? Who's gonna go over this? Yeah, that, that's what I'm who's thinking the, too. The whoever loses this game, two. whoever loses this one, goes zero and three on the preseason. So which, you're I telling mean, me this is a tie? That's what you're telling me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really care about if we win or lose this one, but yeah. I, I just think the Colts are gonna lose this one somehow, some way. Honestly. Mm. Okay. Um, I will go. 27 to 21. I'll say Colts just because Sam Ellinger's looked pretty good. You know, your quarterback three. So I think he'll probably be in at some point. And hey, why not? You know, why not give him a win? Who I mean, who really cares at the end of the day? But we'll just say Sam Ellinger continues his hot streak. Hey, some some people say Sam Ellinger should be QB two at this point. 
Yeah, those I mean, people for, are crazy. For in his defense, I mean, he has been playing against some of the twos and the threes and has thrown for 90 cent, 90% completion percentage, has thrown for 350 yards and four touchdowns to no interceptions, posting a almost perfect quarterback record so, or rating. So at that point, you're kind of like, hmm, he's definitely dominating the uh the backups. So you know, is it possible he's he looks really good, but you know, that's that's what the Colts fan base is focused on right now. Not on the starters. It's about whether or not our third string quarterback should be the backup. Some are even saying he should be the starter at this point. That's how drastic the freaking Colts that's, fan base is. That's why we need regular- a guy who's playing in the preseason against number threes and is dominating the number threes should be the starter for the Colts. That's why we need regular football. That's why I'm so ready for yes. the end of preseason because <laughs> yes. obviously everybody's got an opinion on, you know, who's going to be seeing the most playing time during the preseason. But I swear, man, people get themselves worked up and there's so much of a fuss over guys who are potentially not going to see the field. I know depth is important and the, the argument can be made that, you know, preseason is where you find hidden gems, but damn dude, I just, I, I cannot wait for these games to start counting for real. Uh, Evan, your prediction for this one. Yeah, I'll say, um, 23, 21 bucks win. I'll say Ryan suck it's a field goal in the last seconds. So because I, I think he's the no, starter. Yeah. So. No Borgala's this game. No, I, I maybe I, they might alternate. They they might alternate, but I think they'll send suck about there to to nail the the game winner. So I think Borgalis uh, missed the game winner to open the preseason. God, I think suck up. I, I think that Sucka killed him. It killed him. Uh, I know. A, I know. We kind of played it off like it wasn't Ryan, that big Ryan of a deal. Suck up, Ryan suck up making a fifty plus yarder killed him. Well, yeah, but I mean Ryan suck up being as good as he has, and the biggest kick so far the preseason for Borgalis being the doink. Just I literally think Suckup has missed like a total of in camp and the preseason. Obviously. Like two? He's missed like two kicks, yeah. Yeah, he, he has been damn been near excellent. perfect, as good as you can ask him to be. And uh, the fact of the matter is there was a legitimate competition this year. He stepped up to the plate, and Borgales may have to spend another year on the practice squad. We'll see if another team ends up claiming him if he does go on waivers. But I don't know. Cuts are coming up here soon after the preseason game, so we'll keep you updated on that and, of course, much more. Let me get my prediction, though, as far as Saturday night goes. Uh, I'm taking Tampa Bay only because I like I know it doesn't matter, but it would be unfortunate to watch them go. zero and three, like especially especially with Brady out there because they went one and two last year. And the only and game they that they won the final one. Right. The only game that we looked good in was the Houston Texans game where Brady was out there and played pretty damn good as well. So maybe we'll see him move the ball start throwing to his guys. I'd like to see that connection with Julio Jones open up a little bit on that first drive. This is going to be his first chance to throw to Julio in a game day situation. Julio has looked awesome in camp. I know it's always, you know, easy to hype guys up during the training camp period, but if we see some good productivity Saturday night with him on the offensive side of the ball, it gets me that much more excited for week one against Dallas where Chris Godwin probably isn't going to play. I I don't know. He's been wearing a non-contact Jersey this week. He did not practice yesterday, which means he's probably going or probably not going to play. Um, So I wouldn't expect to see him out there, but maybe a couple of extra targets for Julio Jones. Mike Evans still dealing with the hammy. Probably not going to play. You think so? 
Yeah, he 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 was back at practice. He'll whole play. Okay, hell uh, yeah. R- Russell Russell Gage wasn't at practice, so I wouldn't expect him Gage. Yeah, that's the only guy that kind of sucks. We didn't get more of a look at in this preseason. I thought he would get a lot of reps, but uh, the pressure is certainly going to be on once he does return to practice and get ready to go for Week One against Dallas. Final score. Uh, let's, 20... let's preface this with all these scores. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I know it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, just for the sake of weirdness, I'll go like. 21 to 18. I don't know yeah, how they I, end up I was, with 18 I wanted, points. I wanted to do a weird score. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like that's where you see these the most. So I'll go Tampa Bay. 21 to 18 is your final score. And this Five one. Five to two. Five to two. Both teams are going to get a safety. And then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a safety all tied up at two. And then a game winning <laughs> field goal at the very end. We'll see zero offense this game. Oh, man. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen. That's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. want to send a big old thank you to our friends from Bring the Juice for jumping on and making time with us this week. It seems like it's always a classic game when the Bucks and Indy face off. Unfortunately, it's not in the regular season this year, but uh, I'm grateful we still got to talk to you guys. This is really our, our first guest appearance of the new league year, so thank yeah. you for joining us, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It was fun being with you guys. So I know that a lot of our listeners probably aren't Colts fans, but I promise you their content is worth checking out. They've been getting some kick-ass player interviews recently. I saw you guys interviewed good buddy of mine, Isaiah Rogers. Excited to watch him and his development this year. I, I got to ask before we wrap up, what are your expectations for him? Because he's what, cornerback three, cornerback four going into just this year? To, to preface this, uh, Rhett, Isaiah Rogers is to Rhett what uh, Scotty Miller is to Derek. Exactly, dude. I, I mean, every <laughs> okay. day at practice, gotcha. I used to watch him run circles around everybody. We went to the same high school. Um, I used to watch him play at Blake and all of that stuff. Yeah, a guy is just a freak athlete. And I remember I said on this very podcast all the way back when he was still playing at UMass, I said, folks, you need to watch out. This kid, Isaiah Rogers, he's a stud. I mean, literally one of the most athletically gifted dudes I've ever witnessed in my life. And he's like five foot nothing. Yeah, he's five (laughs) foot. I think he's all like five ten. That's it. Like, I mean, (laughs) he's not any taller than that. So I think he's actually like shorter than me and I'm five eleven. So, I mean, it's crazy to think about, but I think he's actually quarter two. You know, yes, most Colts nation and yes, Cody and I ourselves, we would say he's quarter two. Now, you know, we talk about Kenny Moore being on the roster as well, but you know, Kenny is more of that inside corner. You know, we're talking more specifically outside. So he's outside corner number two. Now he's probably going to share some time with Brandon Faison, who was with the Raiders last year with Gus Bradley. You know, it all depends on how their system works, but Isaiah Rogers in both of our eyes is cornerback number two. I think regardless of how it shakes out of the depth chart, he's going to get a lot of playing time. So it doesn't really matter to me kind of if he's two, if he's three, whatever you call it, or four, however you look at it. Um, I think regardless, all four of these corners are going to get good run this year. Um, and that's very helpful. I think just for a depth standpoint and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I mean, I, we love Isaiah Rogers. We really feel like he, you know, Last year he broke out. I think he actually had an interception in that Tampa Bay game. He sure did. He uh, picked off. He picked off yeah. Brady, and then he almost took the the punt, the kick return back. Yeah, yeah. He, he's still your main returner too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He does guys. The, he does the kickoffs typically. Yeah. Guys, yeah. just a stud, man. I am a huge Isaiah Rogers fan. I, I was so pissed. I mean, I was pissed when he picked off Brady, but after about ten seconds, I was like, <laughs> "All right, dude. You know, he is." <laughs> He is certainly a Tampa legend around these parts, and I'm glad that he is thriving in the NFL because the guy certainly deserves it. Um, But thank you guys once again for making the time for us today. It's always a pleasure talking some ball with you. 
And uh, folks, like I said, go check out their YouTube channel, Bring the Juice. And I believe you guys also put out the audio outlets as well. Yep. Awesome. And uh, social media, too. I know you're both on Instagram, Twitter, all of that good stuff. Do you want to plug anything before we wrap up here? Go for it, Derek. Uh, well, you can find uh, Cody and I on Twitter. Uh, I don't even remember your handle, Cody. You're going to have to oh, tell okay. yours specifically. <laughs> sure. Uh, at CPFelger55 <laughs> is mine. Yeah, absolutely. I forget his every freaking time because his email is different than his uh, IG. But uh, mine is Derek underscore larger. You can follow the podcast Twitter at BTJ pod. And obviously we're on YouTube or anywhere that you guys watch uh, podcasts uh, at bring the juice Colts podcast. I'll make sure I hook up with you guys on social media after the show as well. I know I follow both of you. I just don't know if it's from my personal account just yet, but we'll make that happen. As far as our listeners, you can check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What you got this week? I uh, just put out something about an hour ago, right before we went on, about uh, just some players to watch for tomorrow night's game. So if you're listening to this before the game, go ahead and check that out and uh, read up on it. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that is our show. It's the final game preview of the preseason. Thank God. I cannot wait for this year's preseason <laughs> to be over. Uh, but folks, football, I mean, we've been saying football's back for the past month and a half, but like it, it doesn't get any more back than this. The next game preview we have for you will be in a couple of weeks from now when we preview the opening game of the year for Tampa Bay against the Dallas Cowboys playing over there in Jerryland. Should be a good one. And uh, I, I know it's a rib. I know people were expecting it earlier this week, but our season prediction show it's is going to be coming. <laughs> I, I swear to you, it's going to be coming up. We've been teasing it for like three weeks saying, yeah, it'll be next week. Uh, it'll be the week after that. But I promise you, stay tuned. We should be doing that show within the next week. We're also going to be kicking off our mailbag series with former Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. So keep an eye out for that. Should be a really good season. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish, and our special guest from the Bring the Juice podcast. We truly appreciate your guys' support, getting ready for an exciting year of football. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.